Hello and welcome to Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's weekly look at the news agenda. Before I introduce guests this week and also the topics, just a, another note about our upcoming national conference, our second one, uh, which this year is in Birmingham. Uh, it's on the 22nd of April, that's the day before St George's Day. We've got a great lineup of speakers. Now, please do get your tickets for that. It would be great to see you there. Uh, just go to the link under this video um, and you can buy a ticket or indeed just find out further details about it. 22nd of April, that's the NCF conference. Hope to see you there. Now, uh, this week I'm joined by, as usual, Rafe Hedemankou, our senior fellow and also royal historian, and the chairman of Migration Watch, Alp Mehmet, who's a Oh, a long-standing friend of the channel. Um, gentlemen, this week I wanted to talk about uh, two topics mostly, but three if we have time. Um, first of all, obviously, momentous events in America, unprecedented indeed, with the, uh, well, the arrest, indictment of uh, President Donald Trump. Um, also this week, we've had the grooming gangs coming back into the headlines again, and a certain amount of promises being made by Samuel Braverman and also by the Prime Minister on how it should be dealt with. And there's been a left-wing reaction as well to that. Um, and finally, uh, we're gonna look a little bit uh, at what AI means for the future. Is, is it gonna be disaster for mankind or is it gonna be, is it gonna produce a paradise? I think I know which one, but anyway. Um, I want to start, if I, if I may actually, Rafe, um, with Donald Trump. Now, he's been, you know, he's been before the court for the first time. I think the second time is not until December or something. But he's up on 34 charges. Is this going to be a good thing for him or a bad thing? Well, it's going to be both. What the, the thinking, I think, behind the Democrat side, we have to remember that New York is the Democrat state, and it's likely that he wouldn't have been indicted had uh, a grand jury been found elsewhere in New York, even yeah. in New York State, say, say in Staten Island, for example, let alone in, say, Texas or Florida. Uh, and to indict somebody with a grand jury, you only need to have a majority. You only have to have probable cause and a majority, not, not, not unanimous consent so of, it's of quite the grand a thin jury. Case. So it's a very thin case. It's actually the thinnest of the four potential indictments that there are supposed to be. Uh, though two, at least, well, two other indictments are going to be about Mar-a-Lago and the holding of classified documents and so forth. So, but of these four potential indictments, this one is, is the shakiest, and it's quite questionable as to why it's been being put forward. None of these 34 charges are actually really felonies. These are all misdemeanors, and there's been a great stretch of the, of the legal system to make them into actual felonies. So it's clear that there's a political motivation behind, behind this particular indictment. 70% uh, of independents have actually believed that this is also a political indictment, a political motivated indictment. We know how divided American society is, mm. but when you look at independents, 70% of them can see it for what it is. Even Mitt Romney, the former presidential candidate who twice voted to impeach mm. uh, and convict uh, uh, Donald Trump, has said that this is a, the use of the political system, of the judicial system to advance a political agenda. And it's very dangerous to actually try to criminalize mm. your political opposition. Mm. Now, the thinking behind the Democrat side on all of this, I think, is that they know that this is going to galvanize the Trump Republican base very much, so that it's inev almost inevitable, if it, this happens, that there'll be a surge of support for him in the primaries. 
which may indeed lead to him now winning the nomination, but that when it comes to the general election, the wider population will be so turned off by these indictments, not knowing the full nitty-gritty of why this is happening, that he'll actually lose the general election, because they would much prefer Trump to be the nominee rather than someone like Ron DeSantis, the mm. governor of Florida, mm. who holds very similar views, but is more palatable to a wider mm. section of the population. So there is, I think, clear political motivation here, which also explains in part why this investigation has been going on for five years, yes. and they've now suddenly, just a few months away from the mm. primaries, are coming out with this now. Yes. It is, I mean, it's been commented on this week, actually, you know, that this shows, it could show two things about America. I mean, either that it's in robust good health, i.e. that a former president uh, is actually not above the law and, you know, he's being brought quite rightly to justice. Or it could show, which I think is what Rafe sort of outlined, you know, that in fact it's in a, a terrible state. In fact, you know, the idea of institutions which are neutral, uh, etc., completely now gone because this is just a political uh, uh, manoeuvre. Uh, where would you stand on that? Well, all sorts of thoughts. Um, I, I agree with so much of what Rafe just said. Um, we sometimes make the mistake, I think, of judging the United States the way we would judge what happens in this country and what politicians in this country do. And the fact is that the United States is very different. They do things differently. They have a, a different system. Um, I, I mean, like everyone else, I have mixed feelings about Trump. I do believe that he's a genuine friend of the United Kingdom. I don't think we should forget that. Yeah. Uh, president Biden, um, who was it said about uh, a French president? You know, the, the jury's out. I, I think that he very clearly has his doubts about the United Kingdom. It's not even bothering to come to the coronation, is it? Well, I'm, I'm not so sure that that in itself is a is a slight. I don't know, perhaps he's unwell. Perhaps he doesn't feel strong enough to travel. <laughs> Who knows? Um, the other thing I would say, um, yesterday when it was all happening and the, the great build-up, I compared, <clears throat> excuse me, I compared what was going on on, say, GB News to what was happening on, on the BBC. Yes. And it was interesting how the BBC focused on those who were uh, Trump to be locked up, throw away the key. There was a lot of animosity, but there were a lot of people who felt very strongly. Yeah. You, you turned to GB News and it was the other end. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got a lot of support and he's, look how he's taking it, how stoic he is. Yeah. The BBC was, he's down, he was depressed, he was angered, he was all these things. So um, the perceptions to a certain extent in this country <laughs> are coloured by the media yes, that yeah. we have. What will happen in the States, I think on balance, um, even they will probably find it difficult to actually try uh, mm. Trump in mm. the end. I don't know, maybe wrong. I mm. think they will. And in the end, um, Trump will probably come out on top. And if anything, a bit like Putin, really, and, and Ukraine, mm. um, he did it in order to stop NATO expanding. Well, if the Americans and the Democrats are now doing it in order to, to stop Trump, I think it will possibly have the opposite effect.
Yes, uh, interestingly, from what I can see, is that Ron DeSantis, uh, who was being possibly because it's what you just said, possibly because so many people here would prefer him, that we tend to think, oh, but he's the real kind of contender, uh, you know, for the nomination. But in fact, he seems to be just going down a little bit, and, and Trump is sort of going up in terms of opinion polls. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lesson of history of the last 10 years that whoever Europeans tend to think is actually in the ascendancy uh, is nowhere near that in, in America. Yeah. In much the same way that people in, in, in Europe just couldn't conceive or understand of how Trump could be elected. Mm. If you're in America, particularly in this heartland, it was obvious he was going to be elected. Mm. So uh, we, we tend here to view to view America through, through very different spectacles to, to the reality mm. on the ground. Mm. And you're quite right. I mean, I, I, I thought it would be rather interesting if Trump had had refused to surrender himself to New York because then it would become a matter of extradition up to the governor who yes. of course is his contender Ron yes. DeSantis actually yes. who's heavily involved in all this who but had already said that he wouldn't which yeah, yeah sorry yeah. him yes yeah. They said, but what's interesting about these you know at the time that he was first uh, arrested and indicted before we knew what the charges were everybody from the CNN to the BBC said well the these actually on the face of it these are misdemeanors rather than felonies but we don't yet know the charges we'll know the charges in a day or two yeah. and that will really reveal why these are actually serious crimes to be criminal felonies and then now that we know all the 34 uh, charges they're left with egg on their face because they've actually said oh yes well these are actually the same things that we we assumed two days ago so there actually is very little evidence here on the ground but what this also does i think is it goes to another situation which is the complete imbalance and disproportionate treatment that people on the, on the Republican side get from the mm. establishment in America by which I mean Department of Justice and the uh, and the FBI look we have we have Trump going with Mar-a-Lago for classified information but you also had General Petraeus Republican mm. who was indicted for having classified information on his laptop meanwhile Hillary Clinton had a whole server in her home chock-a-block full of classified information and nothing happened on that mm. front we had the huge the un, the scandalous cover-up of the hunter biden laptop which was suppressed by social media and by the media and by the government uh for fear of damaging joe biden's uh, efforts to, to win to win the presidency and yet at the same time we had so much attention given to the alleged russian collusion of mm. king trump which of course amounted to nothing it was all smoke and mirrors there was nothing no grounds that at all so i think uh, on every level here you can see how the the, the justice which was supposed to be blind and have a scale has got one thumb clearly on one side of those scales it's a sort of a, it's like this is the absolute apotheosis isn't it of this trump derangement mm. the absolute hatred absolutely that's yeah. been there since he was or well, and before since he was elected yeah uh, I don't think anyone <clears throat> can deny that frankly it's it, it's impossible to say that there isn't this sort of yeah. visceral uh, um, and antipathy towards towards Trump and you, know, you, you you mentioned earlier about how can anyone possibly vote for for Trump well I, I seem to recall that the Daily Mirror said exactly the same thing about Bush junior yes, yes. Um, also about yes. Reagan even yes, going yeah, back yeah. even further how can the Americans be so stupid to vote for someone mm, mm. as ridiculous as this so you know that that really goes back to my point about we invariably see and judge as we would our own politicians and the United States is very different yes I mean there is this thing isn't there it's happening well, it's the case here in Britain too possibly even in Europe generally now you know, we take a lot of opinions, don't we, from 
New York, Los Angeles, Washington, pretty much, you know, hate him on mass. Um, but in fact, we don't hear, do we, about this huge, you know, mass of people um, who basically don't have access maybe to the media so much, who absolutely adore him. And all the things that we might find that we recoil at are the very things they love about him, aren't they? Yeah, you're absolutely right on that front, um, and of course, but it works equally well the other way too. So I've you know I've got lots of friends in Canada and America who think, how on earth could you elect this clown Boris Johnson? Because all that they see about him, of course, are the salacious, sensational aspects of his life, without actually understanding the real dynamic uh, issues on the ground that made him appealing. You know, the Heineken beer reaching parts of the electorate other politicians can't reach. And that was Trump's skill too. You know, he was a great, a great communicator and he was giving voice. I mean, the irony, a billionaire giving voice to the concerns of the, uh, of the marginalized and, and the poor in, in America. Um, but of course, I think all of this actually, in a, in a way, I'm sure Trump is, in, is secretly relishing this to a degree because of course, he is the great and the only great reality TV president America's ever had. He's cut his teeth in worldwide wrestling <laughs> and in The Apprentice. And he loves, he's always talking about his ratings when he, when he was president. And to have a set piece here, it's sort of judge, jury or the people's court, isn't it? It's another reality set for him to actually uh, pummel the opposition. And we've seen some hints of that with the tweets he's been putting out about the attorney general, even about the judge. They're never a good idea to criticize your judge, but oh, yes. he's gone down and that path judge, too. Trump hating judge. <laughs> and, and the guy who's actually the attorney general is somebody called Alvin Bragg, isn't he? That's right. He said no relation to Melvin. Right? No, no, <laughs> or Billy, um, uh, let's hope. But you know, remember how Reagan, you know, was thought of. Again, people thought that you know, the Americans had reached some kind of nadir with, with mm. Reagan because he couldn't string to. Now he's considered to be one of the great presidents. He's, you know, he's sort of considered to be statesmanlike. And in fact, when you look at him now and you look at him on YouTube clips, you know, he's quite funny, he's witty, but he mocks himself. He mocks himself in a way that I think Trump could never do, could he? He's just totally incapable of love. I, I think Reagan, um, to be fair to him, he had a lot of good people around yeah, him yeah. and he listened and he was a good judge on where to take advice and where not to yeah. take advice and he had a lot of charm. Mm. I don't think that's something that um, Trump can be accused of unfortunately. He's got other characteristics yeah. that may appeal to a lot of people but charm is not one of them. Mm. And, and Reagan was, was extraordinarily charming and witty. And in a way, that was part of Boris Johnson's attraction as well. Very witty, very clever, um, and able really to talk to anyone, mm. despite his background. Mm. And let's not forget that while Trump was a, a, a billionaire, a millionaire, uh, there was Boris from from Eton, from Oxford, the Bullington Club and the rest of it, but also able to have a, a good homely chat mm. with someone standing at the bar. Mm. A bit like Farage. Perhaps that should um, tell our politicians something that uh, they ought to develop their, their, their charm skills. But, but also remember Reagan actually definitively stood for something. Yeah, this yeah. was a man of ideological principle mm. along with mm. Thatcher and along with the Pope 
you know, the three great global figures who, who mm. caused the destruction of communism from the outside along with the internal forces. But this was a man who actually was generally interested in issues and saw a purpose and a mission f for himself and his administration, which I don't think you've seen reflected in, in later presidencies. And he was also, of course, governor of, 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 of California. As a Democrat. Too. As a Democrat. But this was a man who is, was skilled, had had the experience there but of course and as an actor one can't you know you have to be an actor in politics mm. and to have him there as a great communicator I think the, the best communicator since uh, well you can, you can say JFK but I would say since Roosevelt and his fireside chats you know win one for the Gipper mm. you know when they, you had the Challenger crash when they slipped the surly bonds of earth I mean the most wonderful uh, phrases mm. delivered in that most homely sort of American way with grandeur and sameness, but also touching a real nerve in the American yeah, hearts. And, and I, I also, um, as, as a child of the Cold War, yes. um, I, I don't think that Reagan is given sufficient um, appreciation of what he did to uh, bring down communism. You know, having, having worked behind the Iron Curtain, mm. I think that the greatest development in the 21st century uh, sorry, in the 20th century um, was the fall of the wall mm. and the um, the end of, of communism, which I think was as abhorrent as a development in human human yes. development as anything. And that's why, of course, you have in Budapest the statue, statue of, I was about to say, of, of yeah. Ronald Reagan too. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Sasha absolutely adored in, in the East. I remember there's a story about Reagan. There are many stories about Reagan, but <clears throat> this was one case where he was at the uh, press conference. I think in those days they didn't have one every day, did they? But he was at uh, with journalists. You know, he was very, as I said, self-mocking. And one of these journalists asked, "Mr. President, you know, what are you going to do about the?" the national debt and he replied well I I think the national debt is quite big enough to look after itself on that note um, can I shift it slightly to a George Bush senior yes um, and the fact that he lost it lost to someone who uh, was a manifest liar someone who had looked to camera and said something that was totally wrong and yet he lost to him. I mean, Bill Clinton, I think, really was as as unpleasant. His character was unpleasant as anything that yes, yes. Trump could present. Um, can I also mention, um, if I if I may, the fact that I once had a pee together with President <laughs> Bush Senior. Really? Oh, well, okay. Yes, um, of course you can we, mention it. Well, it was. I'm sure, we'll it was, get letters. It was. It was a NATO conference. Yeah was taking place at Lancaster House oh, and the heads of government yeah. were all there. This was 1990, including Margaret Thatcher, who was wonderful. And I went um, to relieve myself in, in the old, very old fashioned urinal in, uh, in <laughs> Lancaster House. And as I was standing there, all of a sudden I became aware of the fact that there were these heavies with hands under their, their uh, uh, lapels, their, their jackets walking yeah, in. Yeah. And with that, Next thing I know, President Bush was standing next good to Lord, me. Good Lord. And he said, Howdy. And I said, <laughs> How do you do, Mr. President? Um, I won't say what I was doing with my hands. <laughs> um, so I, I genuinely once had a pee with 
It's a shocking. I mean, the transformation culturally is extraordinary. And mm. uh, I mean, it causes me real dismay, actually. Yeah. You know, because I grew up absolutely adoring. And indeed, it was a big part of my life, America. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, Peter, because I don't think in Europe we, we, um, we are mindful enough of the fact that we owe our stability, our wealth in Europe, yeah. the, the security that we've enjoyed over the last 70 years is because of the Americans. Mm. Had it not been for the Americans, frankly, we would all be speaking Russian now. Yes, yes. And that, that is something that is very often forgotten. Yes. Well, uh, we shall see. Do we really have to wait until December the 4th for another sort of uh, development in this? Well, maybe there's court, court, court backlogs in every country. It does yeah, take a long time. Well, way, but yes, that, long that's time, yeah. well, while we're waiting on that, we can discuss <laughs> what happened this week uh, on the grooming gang, rape gang, whatever you want to call them. Uh, quite rightly, they should never be out of the news, in my view, but they've come back into the news. Basically, the government now is setting up a, a task force, a police special task force, um, and there are, they, I think both Suella Brevman and also uh, Rishi Sunak have said that in fact, you know, we cannot let political correctness get in the way of the reporting uh, in, or indeed the charging uh, in, in this area of uh, grooming gangs. Um, this of course has led to the, the left, particularly on social media, absolutely up in arms and, and Diane Abbott and usual suspects. You know, basically saying this is a most of it's white and everything. Do you do you think it will? Do you think the penny is finally dropped with the government on this, up, or, or or is this yet more sort of we will do this and we will do that and then nothing happens? Um, well, first of all, I think that we should stop taking too much heed of what Diane Abbott says. <laughs> right, yes, yeah. I know she's an she's very popular. She's on the an institution and and all that. Um, <laughs> But uh, we m really must stop taking what the likes of Diane Abbott say as seriously as we do. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I hope, I just hope that the government is not embarking on yet more um, efforts to push things mm -hmm. a little bit into, into the, the deep grass, into the long grass. Uh, um, if this task group or whatever it is, is actually going to function as it should and it's going to be able to make decisions and uh, whatever conclusions it arrives at it arrives at them quickly and the government acts on them fine mm -hmm. i'm sure that sir le braverman actually does mean it realistically looking at the time frame of what's likely to come out whether or not they're going to act on it how much debate is going to take place, how much the left and right for that matter come out against what is being said and what is being proposed and what we arrive at at the very end of the process. At that point, I think it will already be too late, frankly. Yes, I, I, I think that one of the important points is that they are encouraging the police now to be much more open about the ethnicity of perpetrators well actually generally but in this case with grooming gangs um i would just add before i ask what you think Ray, is that um 
apparently the police have been able to do this for some time mm. and they just haven't and I mean this is what I find fascinating about this that the power was there you know that, that to actually show ethnicity uh, in terms of these uh, grooming gangs uh, but it simply wasn't used yeah I'll come to that point in a minute but you're quite right the two most important parts of this proposed legislation are to actually ensure that there's recording of the ethnicities mm. here uh, one of the reasons you have this debate about how many Pakistani heritage individuals are involved in this is because we don't actually know because the police are failing to report that's what skews the statistics uh, in one in one direction the other important thing here is that there is a, a move now in this legislation to actually criminalize those in the social services and elsewhere who fail to report mm. sexual abuse now, I'm amazed that hasn't been done before yeah, yeah. You know, if, if, if you know that a girl is being sexually abused to sit on that fact in order to, to avoid stoking racial tensions. I think that clearly should be a criminal offence. Mm. Uh, but isn't it remarkable, I have to say, you know, that after 10 years plus of Tory rule, now suddenly we've, we've got uh, the government taking a strong stance on gender identity in schools. Mm. We've got suddenly a strong stance, uh, allegedly, on channel crossings, a strong stance about getting emptying hotels of asylum seekers, mm. and, now, and, and now here all a few months away from a general election you know yes. Samuel Johnson once said when a man knows he's going to be hanged in two weeks it concentrates the mind wonderfully yes. and one might yeah. think that probably yeah. Tory policy now it's too little it's too late if these are very, all of those measures I discussed from gender identity to to uh, asylum seeking to here with, with rape gangs I refuse to call them grooming gangs let's call them what they are yeah. they're all very sensible policies if they had been enacted 10 years ago and if we had had them mm -hmm. built upon over the course of the past 10 years my gosh what a better life and society we would have in this country because it has been the last 10 years when these grooming gang things really first came to light was well, actually 20 years ago but it's been in the last 10 years for, with that with the, with the with the gender issues with migration that all of these things have actually really come to the fore and have divided society and caused so much damage and distrust in our institutions and that so much of it could have been ch dealt with properly if we'd had a true Tory government in power since 2010 onwards I, I, I don't think it should be a, just a Tory government, frankly. I know that um, the Labour Party, they've espoused the sort of policies or they've hesitated in some cases of engaging in the sort of policies that they know and their, their constituents know, frankly, are the right ones. I think that this is not something that should become I mean, the protection of my no. granddaughters, mm. really, of, of children. Th that's what we're talking about mm. is protecting those who are most vulnerable who are the weakest uh, parts of our society susceptible to these sort of attacks from heinous individuals I abhor them I really do I, I, the I, government I, should be doing something about it yes without needing legislation frankly oh well yes but you've got to have the will and I mean you're quite right it's it's come to light sport in the mainstream Andrew Norfolk in the Times around about 2010 mm. right but you know they 2003 think, I think he was he uh, no it was 2000 oh, no, that's right you're 2010. right yes, you're, yeah. but basically in terms of it going on it's about a generation's worth mm. yeah so I we don't even really know quite how much but I just w w I totally agree with you who could not agree with what you said, said there Al. but you are talking about I would say a racially aggravated you know situation here the, these girls were picked because they were white yeah and the reason they, I, were, the, they were you know that's a hate crime the reason I single out the Tories is because 
there's no, we expect the Tories to actually be tough on these sorts of issues, whereas we know that the, the Labour Party's track record, and it's never been strong on this, and we know full well what it's done to those Labour MPs who have actually ra raised this issue. We had, in, you know, 20 years ago, we had that lady MP who raised the issue first, the one mm. that Andrew Norfolk was involved with. Mm. She was castigated. And Cryer. And Cryer. And then you had, following that, you had, what was it, 10, ten years ago, you had Jack Straw raising this, mm. and he was shut down. And then you had, worst of all, you had Sarah Champion, the MP mm. for Rotherham, who was... Uh, terribly treated by Jeremy Corbyn and the, uh, and the Labour Party. So the Labour Party have a track record here, uh, and they know full well that whenever these issues are discussed, people tend to go over to vote for Tory once these issues become real and relevant. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a lot of the thinking here. It's not in entirely motivated by good, sense, by, good, by, good, by good motivations. There's also a clear political reason for that. Suella Braverman, of all people, is saying this because she knows when she speaks, she gets the issue onto the front pages. And the more that these issues are discussed, the more people reject the Labour Party and come over to the Tory side. Mm. So discussing these issues is actually very good for getting more people to come to, to vote for Tory. Cynical, in other words, cynical. purely cynical. Well, you, you've been a politician, Peter. Mm. Would you have ever hesitated from advocating the correct, the right policies for fear of losing votes? Well, I mean, that's like saying, when did you stop <laughs> beating your wife? Uh, no, I mean, uh, no, but then our whole position uh, when we were in, involved in politics, you know, for Brexit, was we were always, we were not in a, a case of losing, we were always sort of like uh, in a situation where we were facing hostility, you know, so it was a question of keeping our end up, you know, and trying to gather uh, votes to our cause. We, it wasn't a case, in a way, of changing your tune just simply to get more votes. We had the the cause, if you like, a bit like a a pressure group or a think tank. We had the cause, and we just needed to get as many people along with that as possible. Yeah, but I suppose that's my point. That when we're talking about uh, rape gangs, grooming gangs, well, whatever you care to to call them, where they're from, what their uh, ethnic origins are, if you're hesitating, if you're uh, mm. not engaging in in the debate, and frankly, it shouldn't be a debate it should be perfectly obvious what needs to happen mm. but if you're not even engaging in the debate for fear of attracting sort of opprobrium from your side mm. then that is really is, a, is an awful indictment of the state of our politics uh, absolutely but i mean you know what was it that mp you know tweeted or liked to tweet saying why don't they just shut up for the sake of diversity remember yeah it was a labor labor um, politician that sort of sums it up in a way you know we can't rock the multicultural boat that is what one of the MPs said from one of those areas the big problem with this it seems to me is that you know the Tories will look at the red wall and they will think it's about you know economics or whatever it's actually this kind of mm. problem. well I think they're because I think they realize that now it's well, this the M kind the Tory of MPs from the red wall understand yeah. all of that but of course the issue here and you have people on the left saying that you know Braverman and Sunak are stoking the culture wars mm. there would be no culture war on this issue mm. if actually the public institutions had taken a firm stand mm. the reason you get extreme reactions to all of this is because people are sitting there looking open-mouthed 
and the failure and inability and downright dereliction of duty uh, and of duty of safeguarding too of children by social services, by councils, mm. by police. Mm. If you can't rely on our public institutions to actually defend children, there's no surprise that the people are going absolutely. to rise up and do yeah, that. So no, yeah. the culture wars are being, being stoked because of the inability of these Labour MPs and others to actually take a firm stand on what's going in their, in their own communities. And whilst it's good to see that the Conservative government is finally at the last hour or, or before they get executed, take a stand on this issue, the problem is they haven't brought along with them the councils, they haven't brought along with them the police, they haven't brought along with them the social workers who still refuse to actually uh, condemn these activities, who still refuse to let the public know what's going on, the amount of cover-ups that are still taking place in what is the greatest scandal of the century, I think we can yes, say, yes. undoubtedly, and the yes. fact that you have the police being forced to actually record ethnicities, because even though they have the power, they're mm. failing to do it. Mm. When you have terrible examples of uh, social workers who refuse to report child abuse, this is still going on, and people are still acting under the... After a decade, this is still going on, I should say. Yeah. And that's the, the ultimate scandal here. I think... Yeah, mm. I, I, I mean, you mentioned diversity, Peter, but it's, it's a sort of a, a faux, false diversity. Mm. It's okay to champion everyone for one particular group. Oh, of course. And that, that is what's so wrong about yeah, it. That's that, so that young, white, um, vulnerable girls, really, it's okay. Mm. Because that's tantamount to accepting that it is okay by avoiding actually drawing attention to it by noting the ethnicity of the individual's mm. concern. And for goodness sake, we end up having to declare our ethnicity if we go <laughs> to our GP if yeah. we whatever we're doing nowadays even when what you is buy theatre you've, you've got 120 <laughs> to choose from yes and yeah. yet and yet yeah if you say that you are white if you say that you are female if you say that you are under age somehow that doesn't matter I suppose the it's wrong I think we might have answered the question away. The only thing that sort of slightly perplexes me, maybe I'm, I'm being too, too harsh here, is that if this was happening industrially, which we know it was, to young girls, you know, where were the men? You know, where, why did they not... You'd think that they would rise up, if you know what I you mean. You mean local men? Yes, you'd, you'd think that they would sort of like go out on mass, you know, but where, what happened? I mean, well, it's no, often the case that there's arrested. a single, single parent household as well. Mm. This is quite, quite often the case. That's but, true. I, but I also want to say, of course, this is not just about grooming gangs. With, this, with, with mass migration, we've also had a disturbing rise in a whole slew of offences that we would regard as barbaric. Honour killings on, on the rise, mm. acid attacks on the rise. Um, did you know that female genital mutilation on the rise? Yeah, yes, and yeah. did you know that the Metropolitan Police actually have a unit dedicated to witchcraft because of crimes being occurred, exorcisms with terrible torture of children in a couple of cases involving deaths. These are all things which are happening under our very noses, even in the big metropolis of London, which the public don't know about because stymied and stifled by the same political correctness, our media and others don't talk about it. Yet we get reams of coverage in the newspaper about a drunken MP who puts a hand on a boy's knee or someone is groping, groped at a yes. party. That yeah, gets wall-to-wall yeah, -wall yeah. coverage yeah. for a week. And you have the industrial scale abuse of children in this country. 
being sidelined by everybody except small organizations like the New Culture Forum or mm. MGB News. Yes. Well, absolutely. No. And Migration Watch. And Migration, and migration Watch. watch. Yes. Yes. How I was could I forget Migration about Watch? To absolutely. Say that, yes. <laughs> um, oh, we, we, we've got to end, but I just want a few comments. Uh, William Hague wrote a piece in the Times this week uh, basically saying artificial intelligence, AI, you know, which I, you know, is slowly dawning on us in the mainstream, it's slowly dawning on us that this is a thing. Um, that basically we have really se seriously kind of got to get a grip on it and regulate it because otherwise we're done for. And I just wondered what you thought about it, if you've given any thought at all. I automatically, and I'm not a, I'm, I'm really not a Luddite, but I could, it, this brings out the Luddite in me. I, the idea that somehow or other we will be at the mercy of a greater intelligence. Does it worry you, oh. Um I don't think that's going to happen in your and my lifetime. Not not that sort of threat really posed to, to civilization as we know it. My, the bone of contention I have with AI is that you can't sit down and have this sort of discussion with it. Mm. Um, you know, what, what is it exactly that we're heading towards that all decisions are made about, about anything really? Mm instead of having a parliament passing laws and having a, a framework structure of, of a legal framework, we're going to have machines that we push facts into and they will come up with solutions and say, this is what you need to do. Mm. If, if that is the yeah. case, then I think we control the people who are doing the, the typing. Yes. But if, if machines, whatever, um, computers, are going to be able to think for themselves and decide what it is that Rafe is going to do or Peter's going to do, then that's a yeah, different matter. Yeah. It, are we really heading in that direction? Then? I think, I mean, solutions, one thing, right? Uh, what I think I can't bear is the fact that almost all human functions uh, will be able to be done and better, such as, you know, apparently even now, you can already sort of say, can you paint me a picture of this room in the style of Renoir? And it will come back pretty much like a Renoir. I mean, I don't like the idea of that. I think, you know, that people say, oh, you can't disinvent things and all the rest of it. But actually, maybe, why not? Why can't you? Well, I, I don't give two hoots what William Hague has to say about computers. <laughs> about when, you've, when you have Elon Musk and you've had Stephen Hawking before he died and you've got Steve Wozniak and you have Bill Gates all warning and saying, let's put a pause for six months at least on this yes. issue and get some idea of regulation and let's look, look to see the actual potential downsides of this, I think you have to pay attention because none of us, and most people watching this, are as qualified in computers as an Elon Musk or a Stephen Hawking or Steve Wozniak. And so I think if these people are actually trying to draw attention to the potential damages that could be done, I think we need to pay attention. You know, I'm not saying stop things. I'm not a lot either. There are huge beneficial impacts that you'll get from AI. But there's nothing wrong with actually saying, let's actually just take a breather and see how this goes. But at the end of the day, that, I mean, there are huge problems, right? Of course, we know full well that now I went to law school, writing the LSAT in North America is a very complicated exam to write. Now AI can get a 90% on that, which is unimaginable un un for a student to get. You've got students now submitting essays written by ChatGPT, which teachers can't test for plagiarism. So there are whole issues over there. All the future-proofed industries people went to do you know, in, in computers and so forth are now at threat. 
Um, everything. No one's going to mind the death of lawyers, but lawyers will go. Ah. Surg surgeons even yeah, will there. Yeah. So it's, it's the it's the white collar professions as much yeah. as anything else. They're coming uh, for but, you. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're all going to be coming for. But I actually think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we say here in the West. We can regulate up to our back teeth because China won't be having the same issues about regulation no, no, that we do. No, no. And there actually are, you know, one of the ideas is to put human beliefs into AI to regulate it, human morals, basically. Yeah. I don't imagine the Chinese will be putting their human morals into their, into their AI. And when you get things like nanotechnology alongside it, which actually could, in, in, in theory, turn the planet into grey goo through self-replicating machines, which I won't get into, once you have AI and nanotechnology combined together, there are some doomsday scenarios, and it may not be within our lifetimes to get to that degree, but I think a lot of these proper, probably um, bad sides will becoming apparent within our lifetimes. Things happen very quickly in AI. We've already got to this stage where you can replicate pictures of the Pope wearing a white puffer jacket, that's right, yes. and everyone thinks that they're real. Uh, that's happened in the space of a few months. I am just very wary of what's going to happen over the next few years. Look how far we've come since the advent of the internet in the 1990s to today. AI is as big as the internet, it's perhaps as, as big as the nuclear age. And you just remember what Robert Oppenheimer said when he had his first nuclear launch. He said, I have become death the destroyer of worlds. So let's, uh, let's just be careful and wary. I, 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 would, I, would, I have to say, I know a little bit about it as well. The average person in the street knows zilch. Let's actually explain a little bit more about what is happening, what the risks are, and whether people actually want it yeah. to happen and go in that direction. That isn't happening at the moment. Well, the show has been brought to you by AI. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're not actually here. Um, I am. Okay. <laughs> Al, thank you very much, Ray. Thanks very much. Uh, that's it for this week. We shall see you next time on Newspeak. Thanks. Bye bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.